and we welcome you guys to another episode of Fan Response, October 1st edition. It is a new month, but unfortunately, the same story for the Jets. Shree, you saw it on screen. Sam Darnold goes down again with an injury. Um, prayers go out to him. Is he all right there? Yeah, he went into the tent and then he was able to walk away on his own power. So um, I'm, I don't think it's a, I didn't see exactly what the injury was, but doesn't seem to be a leg injury. Might be, might be a shoulder or something. Um, but, you know, obviously, uh, hopefully he's, he's okay and hopefully he can get back as soon as possible. But, but, you know, the Jets may find a new starting quarterback in their, in his backup. I don't know who his backup is, but, um, you know, it's tough to play worse than the Jets have this season. So. Yeah, that problem. seems like every season, guys. Uh, and by the way, I got my co-host Ryan joined me here after a busy CPA schedule. Ryan, I got to ask you, who did you pick in your pick between the Broncos and the Jets? We'll say, was anything said to me? Because I think my internet uh, went out for a yeah, second. Yeah, I think I cut out for a second there, guys. Sorry, technical difficulties. But um, I was just wanting to get you guys' take. Who did you guys take in that Pickston pick'em matchup in our league between the Broncos and the Jets today? I mean, if a team's playing against the Jets, I'm going to pick the uh, team not named the Jets, so the Broncos. I could be quarterback yeah. in the Broncos, and I'd still pick them to beat the Jets. Honestly, I think even Isaiah picked against the Jets today, so that's saying a lot there. Shree, who did you have in between the Broncos and the Jets and your pick, skin, pick them? Pick like, like Ryan said, you know, um, I picked the Broncos. The Jets have been by far the worst team in the NFL so far this year. And uh, I think I think at least the Broncos have, have a decent defense. Uh, so... You know, I had to go with the Broncos. I, you know, I, I picked up the Jets defense last week, hoping that they could make some, um, in fantasy, of course, I, I picked up the Jets defense last week, hoping they can make some noise against a depleted Niners team without Jimmy G or Raheem Mostert. And boy, was I wrong. Um, yeah. And I picked the Broncos as well. I don't have any faith in the Jets right now. However, the Jets do lead the game 7-3 to after a rushing TD from Sam Darnold with a couple minutes left in the first quarter. Actually, it is now the end of the first quarter, guys. So, therefore, we got our first game break on the program. The Jets lead the Broncos 7-3 to at the end of the first quarter at home on Thursday night football. How do you guys see the rest of this game playing out? Well, it's already fourth and 19 for the Jets, so they're going to punt the ball away right now, um, watching it on TV. Um, but I, I see it going poorly. Um, looks like Sam Darnold is not playing. I don't know how many reps their backup took during the week. Um, obviously, the Broncos have, have a new starting quarterback, Brett Ripon. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but um, I just I just don't see things going too well for the Jets uh, from here forward. I, I, I still stick with my pick of the Broncos. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a I, I just got a prediction there. And I Ryan, I just got um, text go my ahead. brother. Yeah, I just got to text my brother, and this pretty much sums up the game in my books. MetLife Stadium is where players' careers go to die. So <laughs> that that basically sums up the uh, the Jets and this whole game, and basically the Jets' whole season in one short little sentence. Well, well the Giants shared the stadium too, so adds more. Uh, more credibility to that statement. Well, exactly. Ryan's got a little bit of an update for us here. 
just reminding all the viewers out there again that the Jets are winning right now. They are, but soon enough, Sam Darnold's going to be seeing ghosts. Me and Shree are banking on it. We both have the Broncos in our fantasy football leagues and matchups. So good luck to the Broncos defense. But I do want to get into some new news here, Ryan. You brought it on to me right before we came on the air and Shree joined us. But you said the XFL is set to resume in 2022. How excited are you for some extracurricular football? I mean, one, it's football. I would have football all year long if I could. And two, um, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is now the co-owner of the XFL, so he'll be uh, he'll be playing a huge role in uh, running the XFL going forward. So, I mean, how can you not be excited? It's Dwayne The Rock Johnson and football. I really shouldn't have Ooh. to say any more, but I will in case there's a couple people out there that need it. Um, if you watch the XFL before the pandemic, it was great football. There was budding superstars in the XFL from uh, Tuck Phillips and uh, PJ Tucker, I believe, of the uh, Houston of the Houston team. So, like, it was a great league, and to have Dwayne the Rock Johnson add in just his like his charisma to it, it's it, it's going to be even better. So, yeah, it, it, it's football. And it's Dwayne The Rock Johnson, as I said earlier. So, <laughs> you know, I'll be excited. I'll be watching every single second when it comes out again in 2022. I was hoping they could scramble together and put it together for 2021, but that's too, I, I imagine that was probably too difficult. So, have to wait a while, but you know, I'll be a fan of it once it finally comes back and basically just count the days. Christy Wilson chiming in, two of our most loyal fans here. I'm excited for the XFL. My favorite XFL team was the LA Wildcats. Rawr! And our most loyal supporter on Anchor. Thank you for all the listens, Matt, and thank you for joining in. Woo! XFL. I don't think you could have said anything better, Ryan. We will take football, especially pro football, all year round if that's possible. Dwayne Haskins, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. It's some big, big... Um, names entering this XFL and running the XFL. So, indeed, I can smell what the XFL is cooking. Shree, any quick takes on the XFL coming back? Yeah, um, in a short time, I really enjoyed watching it. You know, the NFL was over, and and it gave us a chance to watch some some players that you know we saw throughout college. Um, I know that uh, Cardell Jones was the starting quarterback for the DC Defenders, so I enjoyed watching him. Um, and we saw some other great players that we saw in college that, you know, didn't really pan out in the NFL and we got to see them play. And, and it's also a great way for players to, you know, show their skills to the NFL and, and to kind of have an alternate pathway to, to get on these NFL teams and, and to have tryouts with these teams. So I think it's a great thing for fans and players alike. So I'm very glad that it's coming back in uh, 2022. Yeah, me too. I just uh, can't emphasize it enough. I'm glad we're starting to get back on track um, towards making a normal recovery um, in this virus. And speaking of recoveries, guys, we got some detrimental news here. Sam Darnold is out for the game. He's hurt. Prayers for his recovery. And I think just the offensive lineman's got to do more to protect this guy. It's just, it's just a shame the kind of situation he's been thrown in. I understand he's not played up to his 
um, draft position necessarily or his level, but um, hoping for the best for Sam Darnold. And when we we are going to go ahead and move to our next segment here, which is another update. Biggest- Brett Ripien just threw his first NFL touchdown. Jerry Judy, Broncos up ten seven. Wow, that is uh, Brett Ripien. There you go. Touchdown for the Broncos. Isaiah will certainly not be happy to hear that Drew Locke is being overshadowed. You like that? You like that? I do indeed. Ryan, you had something to say? Yeah, what Sam Darnold needs and what this Jets organization needs as a whole is to get rid of the worst head coach in the entirety <laughs> of football, and that is, of course, Adam Gates. I mean, the man's only in the league because he sat on the sideline and watched Peyton Manny do really good about, what, seven years ago. It's the only reason he's in a head coaching position. The man is the worst leader in all football. Hates will debut a playing time based on how based on how much he likes certain players. Like he like this whole Le'Veon Bell fiasco from the start has just been embarrassing. Um their start in left tackle of the future, Becton, I think he was too hurt to play, but then they just put him out there for like the first like series and then take him out or something like that. Either way, this this organization is a mess and if it, it's not gonna solve everything once they get rid of Gates, which they will eventually. They have to see this and get rid of him eventually, but it'll be a step in the right direction because, my Lord, he upsets me. I'm not even a Jets fan. I feel bad for him knowing that Adam Gates is their head coach. I mean, my Lord, it's getting to Hugh Jackson and Freddie Kitchens' levels of bad as a head coach. I was just going to ask you, Freddie Kitchens or Adam Gates? Oh, he's slightly better than um, Freddie Kitchens and Hugh Jackson, but he, but it's not, it's not by a lot, and that's <laughs> saying something. Oh man! And Christy commenting and saying Isaiah's here. In fact, he is. Ryan made a really good call before the show today. He's like, "Oh, believe me, Isaiah will find a way to hop into the show." Um, Isaiah, how you doing? And your reactions to the Broncos game so far and the XFL coming back in 2022. Listen, I was on vacation in San Diego, as you guys know. I was relaxing, having a great time. And, you know, I just had to hop on because, you know, nothing's changed. Nothing has changed ever since I went down to San Diego and I got back to the Bay Area. Nothing has changed. Everybody is still giving blasphemous takes i have to come on and school everybody and you know correct the absolute disrespect that is coming on i am glad that uh i am making my uh debut here on fan response i actually well this is not my debut the last time i came on fan response was the infamous uh i'm not scared of patrick mahomes thing but you know what i've had a great vacation uh, I'm glad to be back in the Bay Area. It was so much fun down there, but I'm uh, energized, ready to go. And about the uh, the Jets day, I gotta completely agree with Ryan. You know, I'm you know I said I think it was like a couple years ago. I really wanted the 49ers to hire Adam Gase to replace Jim Harbaugh, and they not hiring Adam Gase to replace Jim Harbaugh was like the crime of the century. And you know, now looking back on those comments. 
I still honestly wish the 49ers would have hired uh, Adam Gates to replace Jim Harbaugh simply because Jim Tom Sula was the worst coach in NFL history. The guy couldn't coach a high school team to save his life. But uh, Adam Gates, he, he has such a big ego to be a head coach in the NFL. I mean, the guy, like Ryan mentioned, only gives playing time to people based on uh, if you like, if you uh, obey him or not, and you know he just he always every organization he goes to he always wants more than the whole head coaching job. He wants like the GM job and you know president of football operations job. Heck, I don't know. He might have uh, told the Marlins or not the Marlins, the Dolphins owner, I want the owner's job. Uh, but this guy just has such big of an ego. He is not going to last in the NFL. I guarantee you he's probably going to be gone either by uh, next week or the week after. Isaiah, you wanted You said you wanted Adam Gase instead of Kyle Shanahan on the Niners? No, I said I wanted Adam Gase over Jim Tom Sula, or like not a couple years ago, like three, four years ago, where they after they fired Jim Harbaugh. Wouldn't have had Shanahan. Just stop it, man! From not fearing Patrick Mahomes to repping Drew Locke. Oh, how's that going, by the way? The backups outplaying Drew Locke when he was starting. Ryan, go ahead. I'm done with this. How how could you possibly want Adam Gates? There's no situation where any fan, any reasonable human being can say, <laughs> I want Adam Gates as my head coach. I mean, for goodness sake, the proof of how bad a head coach he is, is Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill finally was freed of Adam Gates' clutches, and he's playing like a top 10 quarterback in this league. Everyone said Ryan Tannehill is bad, and last year was an outlier. He's playing great this year. It is because Adam Gates destroys everything he touches. Le'Veon Bell, top five running back. Now most people won't even consider him top 15. Adam Gates destroys <laughs> everything good in this world. Everything he touches on a football field turns to absolute crap. And you wanted that man over anyone else? I don't care how bad a head coach you think you had. It's not. He's not Adam Gates. Because not only is Adam Gates a bad head coach, he is a bad leader. And from what I can tell, just not a great person in general. So th that's that's ridiculous. I I'm sorry. I'm pointing my fingers down over at Christie's comment. Consider the Niners not hiring Gates to be a good thing, Isaiah. Consider that a blessing in disguise. Isaiah, your quick take on the XFL coming back. Um, it's great because that means we're going to have more football and more football is a great thing. You know, I like the XFL because they weren't afraid to try new things. Like I remember they had, uh, the coaches and the press box mic'd up. Uh, you could hear their play calls. I think they even did something. Uh, it was something with replay. I forgot what it was, which was really cool. Um, I think either Ryan or Shree could, uh, fill in what that was for me, but it was like, they weren't just not afraid to, try new things. And I like that about the XFL. I think some of their things that they did uh, in the past, I mean, they should definitely consider or consider continuing it because I think those things are going to eventually make their way into the NFL in the nearby future. Yeah. And what yeah, Isaiah is referring to is how, when a play went under replay, they would record and broadcast the conversation between the ref and the replay official who was in the stadium. They had a 
single person in the stadium, not some mysterious entity in New York like the NFL. So there was clarity. You understood why they made the call on the field. That was one of the best things about the NFL or XFL, if not the best change the XFL made. And my favorite part is the replay officials use Xbox controllers to move forward and backwards in the play. That that alone was just fantastic. So, yes, that is what Isaiah was referring to. And it was a fantastic idea on the XFL's part. And they better have it in this reboot, rebooted version. Hey, all I got to say to you guys is if the government passes any stimulus – Feel free to send some money to the XFL because we are ready for that entertainment, I, hands down. We are definitely ready for some XFL football. Joseph chiming in. The only team more embarrassing than the Jets is the Giants. I totally agree here. And for this year, my Vikings a little bit. But with that being said, we're going to get into the biggest news of the day. Um, Moves-wise, Doc Rivers signs a five-year deal with the Philadelphia 76ers. Ryan, I'm going to start with you. Was this the right step forward for that organization? This may be controversial, but I'm going to say that this overall is not a good thing for the 76ers. And let me tell you why. Is Doc Rivers a good head coach in the regular season? Yes, absolutely. He's definitely top 15, probably top 10 in the regular season. Problem is, come playoff time, his performance just has not been the same. He is the James Harden of NBA coaches. He has blown multiple 3-1 leads. He had the Clippers team, who was so, which had so much more talent than the Denver Nuggets. And in the last three games, they just, they just got outclassed in every way imaginable. And then, but that's not even the worst part. The worst part is his tenure, especially this last year with the Clippers, was lack of accountability. And what? And the 76ers right now have a problem with lack of accountability. So they're just going to amplify that problem. Ben Simmons, you don't want to shoot threes? Eh, don't worry about it. I'm not going to make you do it. And he'll defend it to the media saying, oh, Ben Simmons doesn't want to shoot threes because he's so good in the inside. And that's what he does. Doc Rivers didn't hold any of the Clippers accountable last year. He won't hold any of the 76ers accountable. And when you have a soft team like the 76ers, you needed a head coach that holds players accountable, like Ben Simmons, to um, you know, sh maybe shoot more than one three every full moon. Actually, no, that's actually be an improvement if he shot a three every full moon. He need uh, and B needs to be held accountable to uh, condition more so he's not exhausted at the end of playoff games. This team needed someone to come in and hold the players accountable. That's not Doc Rivers. He will be an improvement in terms of head coaching in the regular season. But I think in the playoffs, it's not going to be that much of an improvement. And you'll still have the uh, lack of accountability. And it may probably get even worse. So I say this is not a good move. But on the aspect of him getting fired from the Clippers, which is something I haven't touched on on any of our shows and MI6 Network, I actually don't think he should have been fired. Because this just shows to me that the Clippers aren't taking a good hard look at themselves. As uh, Joseph said, Doc is the uh, scapegoat in Philly, but he was a scapegoat for the uh, Clippers. The Clippers just said, oh, it was the head coach and nothing else. Nothing else needed changed. It wasn't that our players showed lapses in mental toughness. It wasn't that uh, Paul George was terrible. It was the head coach and nothing but the head coach. 
yes, Doc Rivers wasn't, you know, or yes, Doc Rivers was part of the problem, but he wasn't the main part. He wasn't anywhere close to the main part, I think. So to fire him the first year, I said he should have been on the hot seat if they didn't win a championship after next year. This was too early in my books, and I was the one that said that the Clippers have a problem with lack of accountability. So I just think the Clippers were a tad bit premature with firing him. But uh, good on Doc Rivers. He landed on his feet, got five years. I'm going to assume at like 50 million total. So, you know, good on him to uh, get his finances secure. But overall, I just don't see this doing much of anything for the uh, 76ers. Yeah, I definitely think it's pretty accurate that Doc Rivers cannot necessarily be faulted for the fact that his players missed in key moments in both the 2015 blown 3-1 lead and also the 2020 this year's blown 3-1 lead to the Nuggets. The fact is these teams made extremely difficult shots and frankly outplayed Doc Rivers' teams. Um, Christy Wilson points out that she worries that with some of these players like Simmons and Embiid, Doc Rivers might be biting off more than he can chew. I completely agree that that could be a concern factor. However, I think he's definitely handled pretty um, divided and pretty strong um, and emotional locker rooms before with Rajon Rondo, Kevin Garnett, and the whole situation with Ray Allen. But Isaiah, you had something to add. Would you like to give your thoughts on the Doc Rivers situation? Yeah, but before that, the thing I wanted to add was about the thing that was Ryan was pointing out where when uh, a play in the XFL went to replay, they would uh, those uh, people that were replaying it in the booth, they would actually explain it to the fans why they made that call. I think that's a really good concept. And I think that they should not only keep that in the XFL, but I think they should use that in baseball of uh, A's. Uh, radio announcer Ken Korak was saying the other day that that would be great because everybody, whenever they make a call in baseball, they're always grumbling about it. They're always very frustrated. Um, people are getting pissed at umpires and stuff like that. People think that the umpires are kind of like dictators now. And I just think that if you did that in baseball, um, have uh, people in the booth upstairs when you're uh, going for a replay, they can explain why they called certain calls like that, or they can uh, explain why they called that pitch a strike or they called that pitch a ball. I think that would really help, and I think that would really ease the tension between uh, players and coaches and umpires. Yeah, and I think that's absolutely the case there. I um, think it's pretty exciting that they're doing some of that in the NBA bubble where the referees will actually turn to the camera and have a short one to two sentence explanation that you can hear audibly over the TV and then make that call. It's so I think it's a lot less fr frustrating as a fan to be able to view and see that call. But I want to turn to Shree here, longtime Celtics fan, grew up in the Boston, New England area. Your former coach, Doc Rivers, headed to Philadelphia. Do you think it's the right look for the Sixers? Absolutely, I do. And I don't think I could disagree with Ryan more on this. Um, like you said, he's dealt with a lot of these personalities uh, in the Celtics. They had Kevin Garnett, they had Rondo, like you said, they had Ray Allen, Paul Pierce. And these are all players that, you know, have not had much playoff success prior to Doc Rivers taking over. Um, 
and and he was able to take them to an NBA title. You forget how great he was in the East. He beat LeBron several times. He beat, you know, the Sixers. He beat the Magic with Dwight Howard. Um, and he was able to compete on the on the final stage against, you know, Kobe and the Lakers. People forget that, you know, they, they kind of view a Doc Rivers and they, they see what he did in LA and maybe that just wasn't the right system for him. Maybe he, you know, he's better off in the Eastern conference. Maybe he can make some noise with Philly. Um, I don't think you could get much worse than Brett Brown. So what's wrong with bringing in Doc Rivers? You know, Doc Rivers, I think, was the best coach available, bar none. You know, Mike D'Antoni has had some success, but I still don't think, um, you know, he's on the same level as Doc Rivers is. And I, I see this I see this as being a huge upgrade for Philly. In terms of, like, holding people accountable, I, I don't think that Doc Rivers um, necessarily has a lack of holding people accountable. Um Maybe it seemed that way when he would stand up publicly in front of the play, in front of the media, and and you know talk about his players in in a way that, um, you know, ignored maybe some of their shortcomings. However, I do think that behind the scenes, from everything I've read from his time in Boston, that he did hold players accountable within the confines of the team and within the confines of that front office. You know, not all coaches want to get out there and and criticize their players. Um, in front of the media and in front of fans. So I, I just think that he's, he would be a good coach. I mean, he's, he's been around the NBA for a long time. There's a lot of dysfunction in Philly. I think that he can come and bring some, you know, um, structure and some, some winning ways to Philly. He's been successful, like I said, in the Eastern conference in the past. And, and I think that if he can get some of those contracts, um, some of those ridiculous contracts that Philly has off the books and, and can get some of his own, players in he's also very capable of attack, attracting talent we saw that he brought Kawhi to uh the clippers we saw that he brought playoff p to the clippers um so i i definitely think that um you know doc rivers could be a very good coach for the sixers and i think that you know with that um, with the players that they have to build around, which is Embiid and Ben Simmons, they can definitely maybe attract somebody else and and make some noise. Will he win a championship? I don't know, but will he be better than Brett Brown? I'm I'm sure as hell yes. Yeah, well, and, and let I think me the clarify. Yeah, I just want to clarify. Ahead, he is going to be better than Brett Brown. That's not what I meant to say. I'm just saying that this isn't going to be a huge net positive like it's not going to affect the 76ers <laughs> in a bad way or a positive way i just think it's going to allow the team to continue to be more the same as what we've seen i just think this isn't going to make a huge difference and um and yeah that's that's basically what it comes down to this is just more of a neutral uh neutral signing i guess like in terms of like how the 76ers will benefit but let me also clarify one thing. I don't think there was a head coach in the head coach in market that would hold Ben Simmons and Embiid accountable. So it's not like there was someone else out there they could have gotten. Like they were also interviewing Mike D'Antoni. He would have had the same problems as Doc Rivers. So, so yeah, yeah. I just don't think the core of the 76ers can be saved by hiring any coach outside of like maybe Greg Popovich. So I'm not, I'm not trying to like talks smack on doc rivers I, I am a little but not to the extent i made it sound like in my original take so just wanted yeah. to uh, clarify that 
Yeah, and I think I think he'll have them continue to be a consistent playoff team, right? Which which sells tickets, which gets people in the seats, which has people, you know, hold out hope every year. Uh, as long as you're making the playoffs and as long as I'll say you're a top five team in the East, that's kind of what Philly fans, I guess, expect from them. You know, there always be those people that are like, I want to win the NBA championship, but realistically with the roster that he has, as long as, you know, they finish as one of the top, five seeds in the East, I really think that he's done his job. Now, if they are able to attract some free agents like they did in LA, I think that's the upside that Doc Rivers brings that maybe some of these other coaches wouldn't bring is that you can get those real championship players to come and play in Philly, especially when they have some talented young players like Embiid and Ben Simmons to partner up with. So um, from that aspect, I think that, I think that, you know, he has more upside than any, any coach available. Yeah, and I think in that sense, um, <clears throat> all three of us here are in agreement that Doc Rivers got a little bit of the short end of the stick when it came to the blame uh, on the Clippers, and a new start may be just the right thing for him. But I want to go to you, Isaiah. Yay or nay on this Doc Rivers signing by the Philadelphia 76ers? I really love this hire for the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, I'm going to agree with all three of you guys about this hire. I think Philadelphia got the best coach available in the market because when you look at the Philadelphia 76ers, right, you look at a team that is very, very talented. They need a, a coach that can keep them uh, or hold them accountable. And if you look at the coaches that were available on the market, Tyron Lue, come on, man. Tyron Lue, I don't know why everybody is so high on the guy. I mean, the guy, yeah, he won a championship with Cleveland, but come on, man. He was LeBron James's towel boy. Like, I'm not trying to be, like, mean to the dude. I'm just trying to tell it to you guys, like, straightforward. The guy was LeBron James's towel boy. Look at what Frank Bogo is doing right now in L.A. Do you think that, you know, he's that great of a coach? No, he just is good because he has good players. Ty Lu, when he actually had to coach instead of, you know, sitting on the bench and, you know, just watching the game like a, you know, a rich fan, Tyron Lu was exposed. I mean, the guy couldn't develop Colin Sexton. The guy couldn't develop any of the young players in the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, yeah, roster. So he wouldn't have been a good fit at all for this team because I don't think he holds anybody accountable. Um, and then you bring in uh, Mike D'Antoni. Mike D'Antoni would have been a really bad fit for the 76ers because Mike D'Antoni, he doesn't use a big. And the Philadelphia 76ers, they play one of the slowest offenses in the NBA. That would be a really bad stylistic fit. Mike, you would probably have to trade Joel Embiid and maybe even Ben Simmons or uh, one of those two. For them to fit in to Mike D'Antoni's system. You're going to have to make drastic changes if you bring in D'Antoni. So I'm glad that they didn't hire D'Antoni. And I'm also glad that they, they didn't hire D'Antoni. Because now that means the Warriors can't trade their number two pick for Joel Embiid. And they can bring in a LaMelo Ball to continue that dynasty. But that's besides the point. Doc Rivers, I think is going to be a uh, major boost for the Sixers. I think he's going to be able to hold Embiid and uh, those guys accountable. But let's not forget, the Sixers' issues aren't with the coach. It's with the roster. The roster is like built like a team that, you know, you want to win a championship in the early 2000s. It is outdated. Nobody posts up anymore. Right now, the game of basketball is all about 
shooting threes, and, you know, uh, just moving the ball around. The Philadelphia 76ers, what they need to do this offseason is to go out and sign or trade for three-point shooters so they can spread around a Joel Embiid and a Ben Simmons. Yep, we got a couple of quick comments here. John Alcorn, John Kellerman tuning in here. It's both, man, when it comes to Doc Rivers letting down his team and the players letting down their team as well. And he also says, stop it, Asian Skip Bayless. What about the 2017 to 2018 season? How about that coaching by Mike D'Antoni? And he also adds, when Love was injured, Kyrie was gone. Your BS is so insane. It needs to be reported to the police for how insane You had is. LeBron James. I could have coached that team to a championship. Just stop. I got to agree okay. with Isaiah on this one, man. Ty Lue is the NBA version of Adam Gase. Oh, man. Uh, I, I don't think he's necessarily a great X's and O coach, but I think it was good in the sense that he was able to be tough on everyone else while being pretty um, – friendly with LeBron James. So, I mean, at that point, it's whatever um, LeBron No. Did you hear the stories coming out of the Cavs locker room <laughs> in LeBron's last season? They were an absolute train wreck. He had no control over that locker room. He wasn't good in any sense. He's not a good X's and O's guy. He's not a good leader. I, I agree. Tyron Lue is the Adam Gates. Maybe he isn't as malicious as Adam Gates can be, but in terms of just quality of coaching – it's Adam Gates in the NBA. I'm I'm sorry. It's all right, it is. All right. We also, also got to remember. We also got to remember that LeBron has has a way of bringing weak coaches, weak willed coaches specifically to his teams because he wants to run the teams his way. He's not a fan of a strong coach that that'll say come in there and say we're going to do things my way. We always got to do things LeBron's way. Now, is that good or bad? I'm going to leave that up to you. But I, I think that Tyron Lue is just another example of that. Hey, 10 finals appearances, possibly his fourth championship now. I'd say he's been pretty successful being a player coach. By the way, guys, speaking of Adam Gase, breaking news, Sam Darnold is back for the Jets and Adam Gase, so thank God he's returned. Obviously, hoping and praying that that situation improves for Sam Darnold, but, you know, this offensive line has got to stop him from seeing goals. they got to block better, and, oof. John I was looking forward. Yeah, I was looking forward to seeing Joe Flacco, but I guess we're not going to get to see him. Guess not. Guess not. True. We're going to have to table that for another week. John Alcorn firing a shot at Ryan. You think Cousins is a good QB? Stop it! Don't confuse honesty with BS, Ryan. He is taking his shot at you. I believe he's calling you out finally on placing Matthew Stafford and Kirk Cousins over Aaron Rodgers. And Rogers keeps playing like he's playing. I'm oh, going to six rank him in the, in the top finals. five. He's talking about LeBron. Okay, I think he's. Point. I think honestly, yeah, I think honestly, Aaron Rodgers has played up to the standard of a top three quarterback this year, possibly the second best quarterback this year. He's played really, really well, guys. Maybe behind Mahomes, maybe Wilson. He's definitely played up to par. He's bringing up the six finals losses of John. John, they had to go up against the Warriors super team for three of those losses. Okay, the 2015 one, they weren't exactly a super team, but Love and Kyrie were hurt. You said it yourself. It, it was damn impressive that they could even get to a game six. But that's beside the point, guys. Let's move to the present day 
finals matchup. Ryan's got a point. Ryan, go ahead. Yeah, I just got to quickly respond to the uh, argument how, oh, LeBron's lost in the finals six times. So let me um, put this thought out there. Is it better if LeBron had only made the finals in the four champ- three championships he's won and if he wins this year, four? Is that better to lose before you get to the finals? Like, I've never understood this thought process. It's not just John. It's a lot of people that do this. They say, oh, well, LeBron's uh, three and six in the finals. He made it to the finals more. What would you rather him lose in the first round? That's what that's what I don't get. According to these people, losing in the first round is better than losing in the finals. It, it, it's blasphemous. It's just ridiculous. He made it further. Why you why you why you discrediting him for going further in the playoffs? Getting more credit to your legacy by losing earlier is just it's never made sense for me. It's always an excuse to LeBron. Oh, my Lord. John, overplayed, man. Overplayed, buddy. You've crossed the line this time. I think we can get into LeBron discussions all day, but we've covered so many in our segments. Jamie's saying, oh, to Ryan's oh. points, man. Digging it. Oh, Shri. But oh. With, that, <laughs> with that being let out there, I think we want to get to the present-day finals matchup right now. As John is saying, Lakers in six, if not four, depending on how game two goes. But, Shree, I think the question everybody is wondering now is that the Lakers, they dominated game one. They were able to force Miami into one and duns offensively. They are able to get hot from the three-point arc and fight off of those double teams and force Hero and Duncan Robinson to ice cold performances. You have seen this game, this team, Miami, closely now for about six games watching the Celtics. What do you think the Heat can do to get a win and get back into the series? Well, it all starts with a three-point shooting. We've seen that, you know, they've been able to come out and consistently shoot when they've been able to, um, you know, get get their fair share of rebounds when they've been able to uh, play that zone defense that they did against the Celtics, they've been able to win. Now, without Goran Dragic and, and Bam Adebayo, that's going to be a very tall task. Um, one of the things that I did see yesterday that I didn't see against the Celtics was was their lack of offensive and defensive rebounding. It seemed like every time there was a ball up for grabs, the Lakers were grabbing it. And and this comes down to you know the team lacking a real big behind Bam Adebayo. I know Isaiah and I were talking about this earlier and, and they really need somebody that can, you know, match up with the Lakers when they have uh, AD and Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee out there on the court. And, and Miami simply doesn't have that. Um, now where they can win is the three point shooting. Everybody on the team is a shooter. They can, you know, we know that they can um, create havoc from behind the three-point line. So I think they just got to get back to playing heat basketball. Um, but like I said, without Drogic and, and Bam, who are one like who are both, I think their best players in the Celtics series, Tyler Hero had, had his game. Um, but beside from that, he was, you know, he played well, but, but he wasn't, he wasn't as impactful in my opinion as Goran and Bam Adebayo were. Um, so they're really going to feel the loss of those two players. And it's time for Kendrick Nunn to step up. And it's going to be very difficult for a young player like Nunn um, to to do so on a stage like the finals against a team like the Lakers. 
Um, so unfortunately, I don't see Miami competing in this series. However, if they were to compete, like I said, they have to get back to playing good defense and, and shooting the three. Yeah, and I definitely think, Shri, this is kind of the risk you run with small ball lineups. The Heat, they got out to a hot start, gut punched the Lakers a bit, and went up 23-10. to 10. But, you know, the death of the small ball lineup is if you miss three-pointers, if you miss shots, it's very tough to get offensive rebounds, which the Lakers were able to do. It comes down a lot to the size and athleticism. Um, as Christy mentioned, LeBron didn't have the greatest teams. He had help this time with playoff Rondo AD. And obviously, um, Contavious Caldwell-Pope also playing a factor. He had three-point shooting. He had rebounding. It just seemed like the Lakers had more backups to missing the three-point shot. The problem with the small ball lineup, even with the 2016 Warriors and some of these Rockets teams, is you're really banking on that three-point shot going in. And when you miss it, you don't have a lot of other alternatives. Um, to supplement for those misses. John O'Corn with a very, very interesting question here. You know, would it affect Butler's legacy if he were to be swept by this Lakers team? Um, would that negatively affect his legacy? And maybe could we see him departing from the Heat? Um, John, to answer your question, I don't think it would have too much of an impact on Butler's legacy. You got to remember, this Heat team was a fifth seed. Now, if this was a Heat team with Giannis on top of what they have, say this is like year 2021 or 2022, I think we're in a very different discussion. But we have to remember, this Heat team was never expected to go to the finals, number one. And number two, Jimmy Butler has always been known to be kind of like a 1B type of star. You know, not necessarily can be the greatest player on a championship team, but he's a solid all-star and borderline superstar who can get it done in key moments. Obviously, the Lakers have the better roster here and can overwhelm some of that. So I don't think um, Butler losing to two better players in LeBron and AD negatively affects anything. But um, I do want to go over to Isaiah here. In fact, he enjoyed the big blowout win by the Lakers in game one. They struggled early, Isaiah. They got it done. And what can the Heat do from here to go ahead and take a game in this series? Um, first of all, let me just say this. Um, I think the series is over. Uh, I think that a sweep is imminent, like Stephen A. Smith said today on first take. In fact, I'm so confident. That's why I got, I went out today and in San Diego and bought myself one of these NBA finals trophies or replicas because I know it's coming. So I just had to, you know, give myself one to celebrate. Yes! But But as far as what Miami can do, I mean, even if Miami does do something, the Lakers have, uh, can do another thing to counter. You know, if they go and double team AD, LeBron, he'll be he'll be one on one. He'll have a big game if they double team LeBron or triple team LeBron. AD is going to have a big game if they, you know, put all their attention on those two guys then you'll see what you saw yesterday, which is Contavious Caldwell-Pope going off, Rondo doing his thing, Danny Green finally showing up in a postseason game for once and doing his thing, Kuzma, you know, and then and, and also Dwight Howard in the middle, uh, you know, getting rebounds and going getting easy shots. Um, I think what the Heat honestly have to do 
is the Miami Heat have just got to hope and pray that their shots go in. Because if they can't make the three ball like yesterday, um, then they're in big trouble. And they're probably going to lose by over 20, 25 points if they can't make the three ball. That's how crucial the three ball is to them. Uh, The Miami Heat, I think, are in trouble. I think this series is over. And you know, I've already turned to baseball. I, I, I like, I'm not even going to watch Game Two, Game Three, and maybe Game Four. I'll watch because that's when the Lakers will clinch it. But my focus is on the Oakland A's right now. You like, said I see what? Yes. What? Oh my God, Isaiah. The Lakers were literally one of your first sports teams, I believe, besides the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors, and you're already turning away from it. As LeBron said, the job isn't done, man. There still can be a lot that's happening in this series, but obviously Bam Adebayo and Goran Dragic are now listed as doubtful for Game 2. So this is going to be a tough hurdle for Miami to overcome, and I think it comes down to, guys, Miami has to make their three-point shots because even if the Lakers aren't hot from three, like yesterday, the fact that they can just get a rebound from one miss from the Heat each possession, they're going to build momentum along the game as it is. And it's tough to counter that LeBron or that uh, Dwight Howard and AD front court along with LeBron James there. It's just a tough, tough sell to go ahead and take them down. Ryan time LeBron fan must be really satisfied with these results. Ryan, do you see any way that the Heat can come over and just take one game away from the Lakers? Well, first of all, let me just say this. Um, before this series started, I had picked the Heat to win in seven games. And I picked them because I really liked Bam Anabayo. I thought that with his defense, they could just put him one-on-one versus AD and limit him. He may get like 35 points, but he'd do it inefficiently. And then they could just key in the defense to have key rotations to double LeBron, to not allow him easy access to the rim. Also, you have Jimmy Butler, Andre Iguodala, Jay Crowder, like a bunch of bodies you can throw at LeBron. So I had picked the Heat to win in seven because of all those reasons listed on the defensive end and on offense and just as a team as a whole. They're the much more complete team. They're more well-rounded. They're the they have a deeper bench. They they really were just the better overall team in terms of like how deep they were. But with these injuries, I I, I can't stand by that pick. I mean, Bam Anabaya was the most valuable player in this series for the Heat, even more so than Jimmy Butler, simply because of what he can do on the defensive end to uh bother LeBron at the rim when he makes key rotations and to limit uh, Anthony Davis. So the fact that Bam is hurt in addition to that, Goran Dragic is also hurt. It's just, I, I, I don't know what the Heat can do because at that point you're eliminating their greatest asset. And that was that they were the deeper team. And when you compare like first best, second best, for or the first best players in both teams, the second best players in both teams, if you compare that without those two players, it's heavily in the Heat's favor. I mean, without Bam, they'll get just absolutely destroyed on the board. I mean, last game, they got out-rebounded 60-40. to 40, And if they don't have Bam, it's going to continue like that. You aren't going to win games if you get out-rebounded like that. So without Bam, the rebound problem will be persistent unless the Heat 
go like absolutely crazy behind the three point line. I don't see them having a shot without Bam. Now, if those two players can get healthy for game three, I will go back to confirm in my pick for the Heat because, yes, the Heat did really well in game one, but the Heat aren't going to shoot 40% from the three point line every single game. This team is not that good at the three point shot. And if they have Bam, and hopefully he can get back to 100%, he will make it so that the rebound and differential isn't 22. Like, that's absolutely insane. Like, that cannot be allowed. So, if Bam gets back, the rebound differential will be smaller. The Heat, the Lakers will not shoot 40% from three every single game. And based on the defensive rotations I discussed or described with Bam, I still think the Heat could win. So, to answer your question on what the Heat can do, it's just pray Bam on a bio and Goran Dragic get healthy. Because if they were healthy, I'd say this still be a series. But without those two, it's gonna be it's gonna be the Heat because they just have the much more talented talented two players. And without those two players, the talent is just overwhelmingly in the Heat's favor or in the Lakers' favor. So, yeah, it, it's unfortunate because I think this could have been a great series if everyone was healthy, but. It's not looking that way, so I'm gonna have to say the Lakers in like five or six, unfortunately. Yeah, and honestly, Ryan, I am proud of you. I am so proud of you, Ryan. Once again, your LeBron doubt pays off. In the first quarter, the Heat gut gut punch the Lakers, go up 23 to 10, and you say Heat in six. And then when the Heat are down by double digits and single digits as the Lakers are trudging along, you know just gut-wrenching through the heat. You said the heat could still win the series and still win the game, man. Your strategy is turning out well. Every time this man up here, Ryan, Browns have a winning record, Ryan, doubts LeBron, King James, his teams go on to win. So uh, absolutely very thankful for that, Ryan, helping me win all my uh, Western Conference and title bets. So um, thankful for you for that. But hey, you I know, got, I I got one comment over there, Ryan. Browns have a winning record. <laughs> Don't jinx it now because usually it's when you doubt your teams that they do well, not when you give them hope. Ryan, I think you're muted. Steven, the Browns have a win record for the first time in 2014. Yep. Go ahead. Okay, am I back? Yep. Yeah, we got you. And you're back. You're back, Ryan. Let's say what was what I was saying before technical difficulties was that the Browns have a win record for the first time since 2014. I was in freaking high school with the last time the Browns had the win record. And I remember that well. Brian Hoyer was leading the Browns to a glorious seven and four start, I believe. And then John Menzel came in and ruined it. But that's neither here nor there. So, yes, I'm going to enjoy it, even if it results in the Browns losing their next, like, 10 games. I don't care. I'm going to enjoy when the Browns do good. Uh, like, just just let me have this, please. I mean, for goodness sake, my Indians just absolutely made me cry. So, 
Yes, hey, it's I, only three, I, yes, I got, it's only three I got, games, I know. I got one comment. How can you be a Lakers fan and not watch the finals? That is just absolutely blasphemous. It just shows that you're not a true fan and that you don't care about the team. It's just it's outrageous, real. and it's it's man. I can't. I, if my team were in the finals, I'd be watching the pregame, game, postgame. You know, you know, I'd be watching it all. So it's just ridiculous that someone says, you know what? I'm just not going to watch till game four because it's going to be a sweep. Well, no, Shree, that, I did watch the game yesterday. I did watch the game, but you need to understand something. My biggest passion is baseball. Baseball's my thing, man. America's pastime. Baseball. My Oakland A's advanced for the first time in like a gazillion years. I threw a party in my car when that happened today. I'm just more like into, you know, baseball because I actually work for the A's than uh, for the Lakers. Hey, if I work for the Lakers, I'll tell you this. I would be, you know, watching every single game. But I actually work for this team. This is my employer, man. This is a team that pays my checks. I'm living on this earth because of this team. So that's why I got to go. It's, all it's not one or the other. You can watch the Lakers and watch the A's. You don't have to pick. What he said. Come on, Isaiah. Come on. Don't worry, Ryan. I will watch the game. I'll, I'm not going to miss any NBA Finals game. I was just kidding about not watching the game because of how uh, pathetic yeah. the Heat looked last night. I think Isaiah I just I'm makes a, a bunch fan. of. I think Isaiah just makes a bunch of outlandish statements just to get a rise out of me and you, Shree. Honestly, his Friday show, guys, t- tune in tomorrow night um, at 7:30 p.m., 6 p.m. I think. Um, his show should not be called No BS. It should be called Just All BS. BS. <laughs> All BS is also great. Um, any of those names are suitable. But Ryan, you look like you want to add more fuel to the fire. Go ahead, man. I just want to say that um, Isaiah not watching the games as a Lakers fan would actually be par for the course. It just shows how with the slightest bit of success, the Lakers fan base as a whole turns very, very arrogant they will play the victim when they were going through the uh, Lonzo Ball years where they're rebuilding. But as soon as they get the slightest bit of, you know, championship aspirations or look good in any way, the arrogance comes right back. So I just think it's par for the course. Ryan, I will respond to you with this. If David Stern back in 2011 had not vetoed that damn Chris Paul trade, we would have gotten Chris Paul, Kobe, and Dwight Howard all on the same team. Three of the top five players in basketball. The Lakers would have won not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but seven titles. And Kobe Bryant would have Roar past Michael Jordan to be the best player on the damn planet. So screw you, David Stern. Hey, Steven, where are the sound effects for that? Isaiah, Isaiah. Oh, man. Isaiah, go cry and think about your 17 championships that you couldn't add seven to that. Get out of here. My goodness. I mean, you have a Browns fan, a freaking Twins fan whose team's lost 18 straight playoff games. And you're crying about not getting seven more championships to add to 17. Just, just no, no, I'm sorry. Just don't. You are not allowed hey, Ryan, to be angry about that. Ryan, if only the Patriots had those two wins against the Giants, my man. 
Guys, OPS <laughs> starting tomorrow, guys. Starting tomorrow. Uh, uh, somehow, according to Isaiah's logic, I'd love to see him be a Patriots fan. According to his logic, man, if Tom Brady would have beaten Eli Manning twice, they'd magically have eight more championships. I don't know what kind of BS this guy's cooking. I don't know what kind of stuff you're smoking that I'm not smoking in California, but hand over that good stuff, Isaiah. But anyway, guys, we got to move over to America's pastime, which is not so, according to John, who is saying to say that baseball is America's pastime, that's like saying Madden is a good game series. I do agree. The trend is going against baseball as of late. But now I got to go to you, Ryan. And what I tell you, man, do not be too cocky about your teams, man. You are high on your Indians. And what do they do, man? They blow back-to-back games. Granted, once again, they forced Araldis Chapman into a tough pickle and tied that game at 9-9, but ultimately swept and beaten in the best two out of three series. Ryan, what do you have to say for your Indians? This team is cursed. This team is absolutely cursed because throughout the whole year, the problem wasn't pitching. It wasn't defense. It was the fact that Cleveland was allergic to score and runs for large parts of the year. So you were to come like two weeks ago, if someone were to come up to me and say, hey, in two games versus the Yankees, the Indians would score 12. I think it was 12 runs. I would say, oh, then we win those two games by combined score of like, 12 to 6. Oh, wait. What was that? You mean Shane Bieber, a Cy Young candidate, likely Cy Young winner, if not MVP winner, gave up half the runs he did for the whole regular season in one game versus the Yankees? Like, are you absolutely kidding me? How bad a freaking luck is that? That you, that the best pitcher had his worst game of the season and gave up half the runs he gave up in like eight or nine games in the regular season in one game. It's ridiculous. I mean, Cleveland scores runs too bad. Our pitching completely failed at that point. I mean, how, how it's, it's baffling, but not nearly as baffling as your twins scoring two runs with uh, their bats. So, you know, at least we're in the same boat. Oh, I know about my twins' playoff woes. Don't you worry about it, Ryan. Um, I also fell to the same cocky trap, man. I guess the sports cocky gods struck me down because I was talking so much trash about how the twins were not only going to get past the Yankees, but they would beat the Oakland Athletics, um, knock out... The, that team like they did with the Moneyball team, but it's now 18 straight losses, man. Me and Matthew Soltis are just so dejected. Matthew is so dejected he was unable to come on the show tonight. So um, it's just not been a good look for my twins at all. But, Ryan, go ahead. I'm, I have to uh, officially request that you stop calling them the twins. They are the tens. You can have the W back once they actually win a playoff game. Absolutely, guys. Can we make that change, MLB? Please make that change. Um, I want to go over to Isaiah, man. He is holding up that L. Is that for the Indians or the Twins, Isaiah? It's for the A's because they're going to lose the next series. Get out of here. Well, this L is for both the Minnesota Twins and the Cleveland Indians because – 
Well, the reason why the Twins and Indians lost is because of Matthew Soltis. Matt, I love you, man, but the blame has to go on you. I mean, you, you, before the season, or not before the season, before the postseason started, I wasn't even talking any trash. I was out in San Diego enjoying myself a nice glass of peanut oh, And then all of a sudden, you interrupt my uh, my just luxurious vacation with saying that the Twins are going to beat the A's, the A's suck, stuff like that. And all of that went down the drain as the cocky gods struck you down and your Minnesota Twins and also the Cleveland Indians after you said the Indians were better than the A's. And now, Oakland A's play it! Yeah. How about them Oakland A's, my man? How about those Oakland A's? The team that you said played in the weakest division ever would not even get out of the wild card round. You told me that the AL Central was better, uh, the, yeah, better division than the AL West. And what happened? The three teams that made the playoffs in the AL Central all went down. Quinn, five. Indians, goodbye. White Sox, goodbye. I'm sorry, Matt. That just shows you. Never, ever be cocky. Always be humble. The Oakland A's have a phenomenal pitching staff led by that bad man, Chris Bassett. They've got a lineup from number one all the way to number nine that is filled with boppers everywhere. I mean, go down that line of Marcus Simeon is amazing. Sean Murphy is the second coming of JT Riomuto. Uh, Matt Mark, Matt Olson, he can hit bombs all the way from Oakland to downtown San Diego. This lineup is just so damn good. The bullpen is good. The A's have no flaws on their lineup. This is what you get for talking trash, Matt. But about the Indians and about the Twins, you know what? The Twins, like I said yesterday, they just have to get through that mental hurdle like the A's have had for the past zillion years of not winning playoff games. You just have to win that one game, and you're going to go on the road. And about the Indians, Ryan, I'm sorry, but you guys should tell baseball to, you know, ban the Indi ban the Yankees from ever playing the Indians. Because every time you guys play the Indians, I mean, play the Yankees, you guys are just cursed, man. Like, I remember back in 2017, you guys were heavy favorites against the baby Yanks. And what happened? You guys take a 2-0 lead and you lose the next three games and lose the series. And now in this uh, series, best of three, you were supposed to win this series. And what ends up happening? You lose the first two games to a Yankee team that is riddled by injury. So I'm sorry, Ryan, but your teams and Steven, you, your teams are cursed. Guys, I would like to go ahead and address Christy Wilson's comment here. He was just ripping the A's manager yesterday on the show. He came on live. He's like, the A's manager is the most terrible manager I've seen. He's complaining about the bullpen whenever they blow games, the worst bullpen in baseball. And now we just listened to this guy, ran through an entire song, ran through an entire just emotionless reaction from Shree and Ryan, who just are tired of this guy's BS takes. Yeah, we're all exhausted. And honestly, I should... I would have all the video 
recorded and uploaded to um, this session right here, ready to play of all the times Isaiah contradicted himself about the Indians or the Twins or the A's or whatever. But I would probably have to quit my full-time job for that because there are so many times this guy just contradicts himself. Honestly, I'm tired of it, guys. Let's let's move on to the next series, man. So the Braves take down the the Cincinnati Reds in a 2-0 series sweep. They win a close game one, which goes down to 13 innings. By the way, this is one of the teams Isaiah picked to <laughs> advance and pull off an upset. And he guess what happens? Sweep the Braves, by the way. He yes, the Reds. The, the, the Cincinnati Reds succumb to the Atlanta Braves in the bottom of the 13th inning at their worst performance. And what did I say was going to happen in game two? Choke theory. You lose a close game like that, you're bound to be dejected for the next game. And sure enough, the 5-0 loss comes and the sweep comes. So, Shri, what do you have to say to Isaiah and what do you have to say about this choke theory? Hey, Isaiah, how about, the, how about that great Cincinnati Reds lineup that you were bragging about being held scoreless through 22 innings? 22 innings, zero runs. They also had the worst hitting percentage, second worst hitting percentage since 1900. But yet Isaiah was telling me that their lineup was far better than the Braves lineup, which hit the second most runs this season, only one fewer than the Dodgers. So shows how much Isaiah knows about his baseball. Either way, another playoff streak was broken today. First playoff series win for the Braves since 2001. And they are advancing to the NLDS to play the winner of the Cubs and the Marlins. So look forward to that. You know, the Braves, I was concerned about their bats. Their pitching looked great. Max Reed yesterday on mound true, looked like a true Cy Young candidate, went toe-to-toe with Trevor Bauer. And the, the Braves' bullpen... After seven innings of Max Max Freed, they, they, they ran the rest. Six more innings with zero runs. Again, today, Ian Anderson, a young rookie, making his first playoff start after only five regular season starts in baseball um, in the majors, went six scoreless innings, and the last three pitched by their bullpen, again, scoreless innings. Mac, uh, Max Freed, Ian Anderson, both aces, and I look forward to see them pitch against, uh, you know, either the Cubs or the Marlins in the NLDS. And on top of that, you know, the Braves yesterday, they had me scared. They had, you know, such a great hitting lineup throughout the regular season. They scored 29 runs in a game against the Marlins in the regular season. And yesterday they only hit one run through 13 innings where Freddie Freeman, the NL MVP, who I'm going to already say he's the NL MVP because he's going to be, um, hit that game-winning walk-off hit um, to score that final run. And then today, they were up 1-0 through the eighth inning. And then in the eighth inning, you know, their bats finally woke up. Marcelo Zuna, the NL home run leader and RBI leader, hit a two-run home run. Adam Duvall comes up, hits another two-run home run. And, you know, the Braves, their bats have woken up. Their pitchers are playing great. Their bullpen is playing great. They've swept the Cincinnati Reds, and now they have a week off or or at least four days off to prepare for their next opponent. And now that they've gotten over that hump 
of not winning a playoff series in the past 20 years, I feel like they are poised to make some noise in the NL playoffs. Yep, and this was certainly a big, big win for the Braves. Isaiah's a little bit dejected there. I'm actually give him a little bit of a rest here. Ryan, I felt that this series here, a lot of it came down to a dejecting game one loss. When you force the Braves to not take advantage of jam after jam after jam and force them into the bottom of the 13th inning, and you give up that kind of game, choke theory is bound to apply for game two. And sure enough, the Atlanta Braves advance and the Reds are sent home packing. What is your response to this series? My response to this series is simply the citizens of Kentucky are very, very sad that their team lost because Cincinnati is in Kentucky. <laughs> and if they're actually not, then just Kentucky, just give Ohio like a crisp dollar bill and you can have Cincinnati actually wait. This probably lowers the value of Cincinnati. So just give, just give me three quarters, give me some laundry money. And then you can hold have on, hold on, Ryan. Disgrace to the back. city. Uh, you got changed for a five dollar, right here. I'm about to buy oh, up Cincinnati I, for on uh, behalf of uh, Kentucky. Five dollars is way too much. If you want to give me that whole, wait, no, you said change for a five. I do not, unfortunately. Oh, I got. See, a I need that laundry right money, Steve. Mm, a little, a little more than what Cincinnati's worth, but I'll take it. <laughs> if you want to overpay for Cincinnati, go for it. Absolutely, we would definitely yeah. be able. Yep. I'll give you a dollar for Trevor Bauer. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Isaiah, I think it's your time. You're up for the bat here, man. I got to get your reaction, man, and your response to Shree. He's totally – looks like that A's win there, you know, just uplifted him temporarily, but now he's got to own up to one of his hot takes. The winner of the hot takes challenge, ladies and gentlemen. First of all, let me respond to John before uh, we before I go on give my take. You know, John said in one of his comments, Isaiah, you must be exhausted from all your BS takes. First of all, John, I don't speak BS. I speak truths. And secondly, that's how I am the Asian Skip Bayless, man. I'm living up to my name. You know, me and Skip Bayless, we don't speak BS. We speak truths. But anyways, about the Reds, about the Reds, Choke theory. Shree, I got to congratulate you on your Braves for that win. Uh, You guys have one hell of a ball club. I've been doubting you guys all year long, mostly because, you know, I hate the Braves because I'm a Phillies fan. And, you know, we're in the same division. But... The Cincinnati Reds, man. I mean, I think Ohio might be the choke capital of America because first you have the Bengals continuously Cincinnati's choking the Kentucky. playoffs. Cincinnati, the Bengals continuously choke in the playoffs when they get, get there. The Browns, they always just choke in their season. That's why they never make the playoffs. Uh, Ohio State always chokes whatever. They lose to Purdue, lose to Iowa, lose to uh, How's Clemson Georgia looking? And now the Reds. I mean, I was very dejected after yesterday's game because 
you know, the Reds had so many damn chances to win that game. They had like runners at third and first with no, uh, with one out several times. That's why you lose playoff games, man. If you can't do the small things and get those runners home from third with less than two outs, you don't even deserve to win playoff games. And that's what I've been saying for a long, long time here on this network. You got to do the little things to win playoff games in the Reds. They just couldn't. And, you know, they just couldn't. And that's how uh, you have to do to beat a, a big team like the Cincinnati, uh, like the Atlanta Braves. So kudos to the Braves. They got a great ball club. But, hey, I, I still think the Miami Marlins will still beat the Braves because there's something about that Marlins team that they are primed for a magical run. Like, I'm telling you guys, ladies and gentlemen, there is something about that Miami Marlins. This is they, – they are primed for Dallas Mavericks-like run. Hey, Isaiah, nope. is that the same team the nope. Braves scored 29 runs on? <laughs> one game, one game. Oh my God, man. Okay, so we got some stuff to address here. The Braves were no match for the Reds, of course. And I think she means the Reds were no match for the Braves because yes. And <laughs> David says, "Hey, it's stop hating on the Browns. It's really tough, David, to not hate on the Browns." But Isaiah, you have a multitude of teams that have just choked, choked, and choked. Um, seeing as you have like thirty-eight to fifty teams. If I were to list all of them, the show would take another 40 minutes. So we're going to move on to the next segment. And that is, guys, the Tennessee Titans had about nine players test positive for COVID. So with this situation in play, guys, obviously the game is going to get postponed until at least next week. But do you guys believe that this COVID-19 crisis within the NFL will be contained like it did in baseball? Or will the season have to be postponed eventually? All right, I'm just going to straight up say this. Um, the NFL is actually organized. Baseball had no plan going into the season, and it showed. The NFL had so much time, and I guarantee you they have plans for this. I mean, yes, they're going to postpone the game, but I've heard reports saying that the uh, Steelers and um, uh, Steelers and Titans, they their scheduled bye week was only one week apart. So they could easily schedule for one of those weeks, just move. I think it was like the Ravens-Titans game up a week. And then you could Ravens-Steelers. Wait, Ravens-Steelers, that's it. So I'll say they have an easy slot to put this game in. And I guarantee you they scheduled the year out to put teams by close together for a situation like this. The NFL wasn't stupid. They had to have known that something like this was going to happen. So – for people saying this is catching the NF, this is blindsiding the NFL. No, it's not. For all the fuss that's made about Roger Goodell, and yes, he has made questionable decisions in the past. The NFL is an organized league. It's not like baseball where everything's just chaos and madness. The NFL had months to prepare. They are ready for this. So the season will not be postponed. They're going to a quarantine the people that tested positive. I don't know when the Titans will get their facility back open, but it will happen sooner rather than later. So, yeah, this won't postpone the season. The NFL, I guarantee you, took every single precaution they could. So if baseball could make it to the postseason with them just being disorganized as can be, the NFL will do the same. 
Yeah, I think it is still trending towards that. Christy Wilson agreeing. I believe the NFL will overcome this like the MLB did. And she loves the Isaiah Nick Mullins jersey. Guys, be sure to vote in our live poll and leave your comments down below. Will the NFL contain the coronavirus? Comment down below and vote in our Facebook live poll. But I'm going to go to you, Isaiah. You look like you're suited for some game day action. And you look like you're not ready for the season to get shut down. What do you got to say about this coronavirus situation? No, I am not ready for this season to shut down because, you know, my boy Nick Mullins is about to take Jimmy Garoppolo's job and run with it and bring home the six Lombardi trophy. But that's another story for another day. But about this uh, situation, you know, I am glad that uh, the players, when someone tested positive, I'm glad that they had that team meeting and decided uh, to postpone everything and close facil uh, facilities swiftly, uh, unlike baseball. Because if you guys remember, the Marlins, when they had their outbreak, the players knew that uh, there were like, a number of players that tested positive but they still decided to play because, you know, they love playing baseball. It's their passion and stuff like that. But so they still decided to play. And then they went on the field, played the game. And then, boom, all of a sudden you had like 17, 18, 19 players uh, all getting the coronavirus at once from the Miami Marlins, which was a total disgrace. Um, so I, I need to commend the NFL for taking swift action on this and postponing the season or not the season, the, uh, the game. And I think that they could easily move this game, uh, back, back later on into the season, maybe put it like, uh, when the Steelers and the Titans have their bye week or something like that, they could do, they could do that. And I just think that it's, it's good that the players decided, you know, you know, we don't want to hide the the positive coronavirus test uh, just to play the game for our sake. Because if you do that, then you're going to harm everybody else on the field and everybody else that is uh, around those organizations. Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, the NFL has the tools to combat this and it shouldn't be too much of a concern at this point. Tree, what are your thoughts on the NFL containing the coronavirus? Yeah, um, I think they've done a pretty good job at, at it so far. Um, you know, I'm not a big fan of having uh, having fans in the stands. I don't think that's a very smart idea by the NFL, but what can you do? Um, but aside from that, you know, I, I think that they're going to lose. There's too much money at stake. They're not going to risk having their season end or they're not going to risk losing their season over a few coronavirus cases because of the money that's involved. So I think that this is more a product of, of, you know, them having these tests and having these con contact tracers and, and having all these things that allow them to manage these cases and less of Roger Goodell, because Roger Goodell is, as we all know, an incompetent um, commissioner. So what I think is, yes, I think they will uh, eventually contain it. You saw the swift action taken um, by the NFL contact tracers looking at, you know, who from the Titans had the coronavirus and and uh, figuring out potential contacts on Minnesota, who they played last Sunday. Minnesota's entire team got tested and they all came back negative. So Minnesota looks good to go. And, uh, you know, they're going to move um move back this game, like Ryan said, I think to week seven or eight and then flip around the Steelers and Ravens uh, game. And I think they've had, you know, these scheduling um, 
the scheduling precautions in play. Now, what I think would be interesting to see is what happens if there's a coronavirus outbreak, you know, after the bye week, or what happens if one single team has two coronavirus outbreaks during the season. We can always schedule around a bye week when there is a bye week to schedule around. But what happens when there is no bye week? You can't play two games in a week. Do they push back the playoffs? Do they just skip that game? How do they evaluate a team that has 15 games versus 16 games? These are all questions that that we don't have an answer for. Um, but I'm sure that the NFL has kind of thought these situations through and and has some sort of a solution um, to these problems should they arise. Yeah, and absolutely. David here saying the NFL is just tr- – Corona is just trying to slow down the best QB in the NFL – Ryan Tannehill, not Nick Mullins. That is a fiery take there, David. We might have to have you come on the show to defend that take. But, guys, that's going to get into our last segment here. Final thoughts on tonight's program. All right, I'm going to go to my co-host, Ryan Schreiner here. Start it all. Fan response. What are your final thoughts on tonight's program before you go and watch that 17-13 to Halftime Jets game. So my final thoughts has to do with everyone's favorite NBA player, Kyrie Irving. Today, Kyrie Irving made a statement saying that Kevin that Kevin Durant being his teammate means that the first time he can ever look at a teammate in a clutch time situation, say, yeah, he can hit that shot too. The amount of salt in that sentiment can turn Lake Erie from a freshwater lake to a saltwater lake. It's just ridiculous how salty Kyrie Irving is of LeBron James. And I don't say this. This is actually factually incorrect because if you look at game time and go-ahead shots in the playoffs, last 10 seconds of fourth quarter or, or overtime, Kyrie Irving is one for three. Do you want to know LeBron's? 12 for 23. And to put that in perspective, Michael Jordan shot 7 for 15. Kobe shot 5 for 22. Kevin Durant, his teammate, who he says can make the shot as well, shot 2 for 13. Ouch. That's not good. So my final thought is Kyrie Irving, every single time you throw shade at the you make yourself look much, much, much dumber. It's actually ridiculous how how just jealous you are of LeBron James. You're trying to make him look bad, but every single time you try to do that in a passive-aggressive way, like the statement said today, you just make yourself look more silly. It's ridiculous. Kyrie Irving just needs to stop trying to uh, hate on LeBron James. It's it, it's funny. It's 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 comedy at this point. I I love it. I I think you should keep it up because I laugh every single time. But for his sake, he probably should stop. Just friendly word of advice. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and use the Joe Biden line here. My God, Kyrie, will you just shut up? Seriously, he is ungrateful. And honestly, Kyrie Irving left LeBron James too early, one year too early at least. He's like a dude that sold out of a stock too early, and he's just 
praying for it to crash or have some kind of massive correction so that he can buy low on it again. Seriously, man, just stop it. Just stop it. But for final thoughts, I'm going to tune over to Tree now. Yeah, um, it's a great time of year for sports. I think I said this on Monday. I'm going to say it again. Um, NBA finals are on. Um, we have some great playoff matchups right now in the MLB. We got NFL football. We got college football with the Big Ten coming back soon. Just just a great all-around time to be a sports fan. And the one thing I want to bring up is shout-out to all the teams in the MLB um, that have gotten over their hump either to make the playoffs or win a playoff series. Congrats to Isaiah's A's. Congrats to the Atlanta Braves. Congrats to the San Diego Padres. Uh, looks like they are cutting the Cardinals lead right now in the sixth inning. So hopefully they can uh, take a game from the Cardinals today and, and, and get into that game three. Also congrats to Miami Marlins they had a great game against the Cubs yesterday and congrats to Chicago White Sox. Although they lost a hard fought series to the Oakland athletics, um, you know, this is the first time they've been in the playoffs in a long time. And uh, all these teams, their fan bases are loving it. And it's great to see so many new teams across the baseball playoffs, and it's great to see uh, so many new faces that that have never made the playoffs um, in in a significant amount of time. Along with that, congrats to the Cincinnati Reds as well. Um, I know it must have been a frustrating playoff stretch for you guys, but you know you made it nonetheless. So it's great to see, and and uh, hopefully it continues with some of these teams getting upset wins and and being able to make some noise in the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. I think the expanded playoff field has made baseball so much more entertaining. And we really have that quadruple threat of sports right now. College football, NBA, MLB. There's even hockey and there's NFL. There's just so much going on right now. And Isaiah's got a game break for us as well. The Padres have cut the Cardinals lead to six to five in the six. So just hoping those Slam Diego Padres can extend it to a winner take all. Shout game out to Callan McClurg. Shout out to Callan, host of Wild Sports Talks on Monday and Wednesdays. And uh, go Padres. No BS on Friday. Go Slam Diego Padres. Isaiah, your final thoughts. Well, my final thoughts are first of all, Shri, you know, uh, thank you for the congratulations. It's been a long time since the A's have made it that far in the postseason. So I really appreciate it. And also, yeah, shout out to Callan. Hopefully the Padres are able to come back against the Cardinals and force a, uh, a, a winner-take-all deciding game three because, you know, I like the small market teams and I like teams, you know, that have been down for a long time to come into the playoffs and, you know, pull off some upsets. But the, my final thought is I want to talk about what I talked about when I first entered this show, and that is my boy Nick Mullins. That is why I have this jersey on right now. Kyle Shanahan this past week when asked uh, whether or not there would be a quarterback controversy between him and between Nick Mullins and Jimmy Garoppolo, Kyle Shanahan uh, flat out said there will be no quarterback controversy and that uh, when Jimmy Garoppolo is ready, he will come back and take the reins as the starting quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers. My take on this is I think that it is what Kyle Shanahan is doing, even though I have so much love for him. What Kyle Shanahan is doing, I think, is the wrong decision for the 49ers because they have and because we all know in professional sports, it's all about it doesn't matter, you know, how much money you're getting paid and all that stuff. It's about who can help the team win 
the best. And right now, I believe that that guy that can help the 49ers win the best is Nick Mullins. Simply because Nick Mullins, he's got the better arm than Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, he's uh, not afraid of anything. The guy has such great pocket awareness. He's got such a great IQ. I mean, this guy can make throws that uh, Jimmy Garoppolo cannot make. Yes, uh, David, Jimmy Garoppolo is overrated. And if you saw in that game on Sunday, Kyle Shanahan did things with Nick Mullins that he would never do with Jimmy Garoppolo. He opened up the playbook for Nick Mullins. That just shows you how much trust he has in Nick Mullins. And let me give you guys another stat. You know, there's only two quarterbacks in NFL history that have thrown for 2,600 passing yards and 14-plus touchdowns in their first nine career starts. The two quarterbacks are Patrick Mahomes and Nick Mullins. That's right. Nick Mullins, I, I don't think he's going to be the next Patrick Mahomes, but I think he's a way better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. And for Kyle Shanahan to come out and flat out say that there will be no uh, quarterback competition, I think is just stupid. I think there should be a quarterback competition because it is about who can help your team win the best. Ooh. And guys, with that, we got a game break here. The Padres have now tied the six, game. Six, six baby. Six. At the end of the six, a bunch of sixes, and that spells disaster for the Cardinals as the <laughs> devil in the details is coming to haunt them. My final thoughts, guys. I said this on last night's program, and I'm going to say it again. Congress, America needs stimulus. So far, the House has passed a $2.2 trillion stimulus package. It is pending vote by the Senate. And I'm really hoping that they can pass this. I think there's millions of American people out there. They've lost good jobs like Isaiah ushering for the Oakland Athletics. Um, they have nowhere else to turn for support. And this stimulus package is going to be needed to continue this Super V recovery because there's still many people struggling, still many people who haven't gotten their checks. So um, I just want to deliver that message out to the American people. I'm rooting for us to get those stimulus checks and that stimulus package. And uh, to the U.S. government, guys, if you have any um, extra money after you pass this, please give it to the XFL because I think the XFL is an amazing business. And I think that it'd be great to have some uh, XFL football return to the American people because, like Ryan said, we're always down for football in the spring, summer, winter, fall, heck, even out of fifth seed and have football in there. I'm all for it, man. Football hey. is amazing. But, guys, give yep, it to the ahead. MI6 Sports Network. We really need your support. Yes, guys. Yes, indeed. So that's going to do it Do it for us here at the MI6 Sports Network for fan response. For producer Wang here, Browns have a winning record. Ryan, the Asian Skip Bayless and Tree, that's going to do it for us, guys. Remember, you can catch us on these days as our schedule here. Tomorrow we have no BS starting at 6.30 p.m. Pacific time, 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. And you can search for our podcast format if you prefer to listen in a podcast format. Just search the MI6 Sports Network on your favorite social media platform or on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor. And happy hump day, guys. I'm going to leave you guys to join the Padres making an epic comeback and this epic toilet bowl of a Thursday night football game. Correction is Thursday, not Wednesday, but...
Just quick little Thursday. correction there. We have there. gone past hump day. We have Friday tomorrow. Yes. All right. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone.